Be confident. Be bold. Be authentic. But don't forget to take action. This is Ordinary to Badass, where our stories empower women to step into the spotlight of their own lives and pursue what they're truly passionate about. It's time to step into the arena and become more than just extraordinary. It's time to become a badass with your host, Marie Sonneman. Welcome to Ordinary to Badass, episode number 65. In this episode, we talk with Robin Robledo. You are not going to want to miss this episode. It's so much fun. Robin and I talk about chakras, flow state, and traveling around in her RV with her family of seven for five years. So amazing. I know that you're going to love this episode. But first, I got to tell you, there's a new little segment at the end of the show called Game Changers. Stick around because I know that you're going to love it. And then also, if you like this episode, please, please, please head on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. That way more people just like you can find the show. And then, of course, screenshot it and send it to me on Instagram at Ordinary to Badass. All right, now to the episode. Welcome to Ordinary to Badass. Whether you're ordinary or badass, I'm glad you're here. Today's guest is Robin Robledo. Robin, thank you so much for being here. Excited to have you on the show. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So first off, before we go any further, I've got to ask you, do you consider yourself ordinary or badass? Badass, all capitalized. (laughs) I love it. Have you always felt that way? Yes. Well... Maybe not so much as a teenager, but pretty much from the time I turned 20 on, yeah, huge mindset shift. What Was there a turning point at 20 or what was it that changed things for you? Um, probably just being out of the school system. And my husband and I opened a business when I was 20. I met him when I was 19. And pretty much from that point when we started date, actually, no, I'm sorry. We, I met him when I was 17. But by the time I was 20, we opened a business together. We were, we were getting married that next year. Pretty much from 20, my life just off and it's been a nonstop movement since then. And I think badass, it's like, as soon as you kind of own your weirdness and go for things and just go without thinking about it too much. Whereas like, you know, before that you're trying to fit in in high school, you're doing what you're supposed to do. And I just feel like after that, when I said, you know what, let's, let's max out credit cards. We can open a business. Who cares? We'll figure it out. Everything in our life's been like that since then. And it, it's a great feeling. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about owning your weirdness. What is something that people might think is weird about you that you just own? Hmm. (laughs) What's not, let's see. (laughs) The big one, I think, uh, gosh, it's, there's been so many because the fact that I, having a big family is slightly weird still these days, but having a big family, homeschooling, not that I have anything against uh, religion or Christianity, but right away you put, get put in that box like, oh, you homeschool, you have a lot of kids, you must be really Christian. I'm like, no, we're not, but 
um, little things that carry on with that theme today, you know, all our family gets together. We bought a, we're renting this house, huge living room, no couch because we sit around and we do meditation once a day and we all do yoga at one point a day together. That's kind of weird. Not most families sit together in a living room and all the kids kind of agree like, yeah, let's, let's sit and meditate. Um, a couple of years ago, we really didn't have the money for it, but we bought plane tickets to go to New Zealand or sorry, to Europe first. And um, gosh, this was like family travel really got to be popular the last few years, but this was back in 2016 and bought one-way tickets to Europe, backpacks on our back, traveled through for six months, kind of with the, I, I knew where we'd go, but pretty much every night it was like, all right, let's find a campground tonight. Where hike, what climb. So there was a few things I could probably spend the 45 minutes thinking <laughs> how many weird things we've done over the years and. Um, yeah, next year we want to get cows. I think that's kind of weird. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Um, so what was that like just, you know, packing up your backpacks and just going to Europe? Yeah. The most amazing experience I think for, for me in my life, it was so horrible for my husband. He absolutely, uh, I don't want to say hated it, just struggled through it a lot. So it was interesting to be on one side where myself as a person, I felt so empowered and like, whoa, every morning you kind of wake up surreal and be like, wow, I can't believe I'm right here and there's cows on this meadow and I'm walking across the street to the baker to get my chocolate croissant and <laughs> the sum total is it. But at the same time, my husband and I were like, we've, we've owned businesses together, dated since we were young to feel like, oh gosh, he's not happy here. He's, this is really, really hard for him. And uh, so it was, a, it was powerful experience. It was something I, I doubt the world will ever go back to exactly how it used to, but it would be something that I would have loved to go and do again in a couple of years because I know now he thrive in it, but it, right. we weren't, I had, he was not set up for it that first time. <laughs> our kids, I, it was life-changing for our kids as well. So that was yeah. really, really amazing. That sounds pretty awesome. I would say that's pretty badass. Just pick it up and just go in Europe for six months and backpacking. Because so remember, badass can sometimes re- be seen as dumbass. Not that to us, to ex- right. to other people who don't understand. So when we landed in Nor, we landed in Norway when we went to Europe, and the immigration officer looked at me. He's like, "So you brought umbrellas, right?" I'm like, "Well, it's June eighth. No, I'm, I'm from San Diego." Right. Uh, there's no weather. No. What are you talking about? I was so darn stubborn the entire time that it was badass that we never bought umbrellas. We didn't fly back until November 15th. And I kid you not, like we froze in Paris, the last part of it. And we let, we flew out of Norway on the way back. And I told the, it was a different immigration officer. But I'm like, yep, you guys should have had it in writing, like buy an umbrella and a scarf because it was painful how cold <laughs> it was. And I just, I was so, yeah, it was just dumb, stubborn, whatever. And yeah. But yeah. we have that memory Bad, sometimes yes. you do badass things and it's all about the memories. It's all about every time it was a hardship, we get together and we laugh about, Oh, remember when we froze in Paris for three days? Oh, remember when it just ra- rained on us like a month straight and, and we still didn't buy an umbrella because you think, Oh, it's, it's summer. It's going to stop soon. And my kid, it's the best memory. So I always tell people like, you got to go for it. You got to do it. You'll, you'll remember the best times and the hardest times. 
Yeah. And I think that so much confidence can come from that because you just go, you're going on an adventure and you kind of pivot and figure things out as you go or learn from it for the next time. But if you never did it, you wouldn't have the confidence to do it, you know, another time probably. Absolutely. It's your Manapura. Our family's like really obsessed with the chakras and your, your third, third chakra is the Manipura. It's your, it's your, I do. So they, I'm all about like, just do, keep doing until you figure it out. And the other, the other chakras will catch up eventually, but it's, it's so true. Doing yeah. is the best. I love that. So Robin, I want to hear definitely more about your adventures, but will you first just share with us a little bit of a bio or share with us a bio? Absolutely. So, uh, I'm Robin. My husband, Victor, like I mentioned, we dated when I was still in high school. We got married a few years later. We opened a gymnastics facility in Coronado, California, which is a really cool place to be. Uh, however, cost of living is ridiculous there. Uh, we had five kids. Uh, right now, their currently ages are 21, 19, 16, 12, and just about 10. And we raised them all in our gym. It was great. We had personal training and gymnastics facility and they'd come to work with us every day. It was really good vibe, really good upbringing. But uh, in 2015, my husband and I kind of looked at each other like, this is crazy that we work this many hours just to pay rent or mortgage or whatever, all the, all the expenses. And our kids were in competitive sports and like, this is dumb. I'm I remember every Sunday evening, just thinking, I can't believe how exhausted I am from being on the soccer field at a tournament. And so uh, the, the house we were renting came up for rent and I said, Hey, let's, let's just sell everything. We'll go live. In, actually, I kind of conned my husband into it by saying, <laughs> um, Hey, we'd save a lot of money if we just were in a, in our RV for a couple months this summer, and then we can find a house. But by the end of the summer, he's like, yeah, you're kind of happy this way. And I just care if you're happy. I don't really. And that was the start of five years of living in an RV. Uh, some of that, it, we, we did a mix of everything. Some of that was uh, just sitting still in San Diego to make some money. Some of it was traveling uh, abroad. We went to, I think, 26 countries over the last five years. And then part of it was a lot of road trips. Like I kind of obsessed with road trips, which is why we are currently, because of the state of the of with COVID and concerns on where things are going to go, food was really important to me. So I wanted to make sure that we had an, a, a way of securing food, so food for us. Uh, for the last two months, we had two deep freezers in our fifth wheel trailer full of a cow. And I go, this is ridiculous. So when this house came <laughs> available, I'm like, yeah, it makes much more sense to have the freezers in a house and then we can take road trips in one of, we have two RVs, so we can take road trips in one of the RVs. And this made a, I had to, it seems so not badass, but I had to be logical and practical. And I, I really try not to do that, but sometimes <laughs> you just have to do it. Sometimes that's the best, most badass thing to do. Right, right. Hey, um, you took but, caution to the wind for five years. <laughs> yeah, right. So that's, that's where we're at now. We are in Montana for who knows how long. I mean, I'd like to think that we'll just keep renting and go back and forth on road trips for a while. What was one of the ex unexpected things that you learned from traveling in an RV with your family for five years? Funny, after five years, you forget if it was unexpected or if it was just, uh, you did it for so long that it became normal, but right. just how little you need. I mean, it really, that was the beauty of it coming into a house. I mean, our house almost got filled between the stuff. I haven't really bought anything. The amount of stuff we just even had in our fifth wheel 
to me, filling a house with it, I'm like, dang, this is a lot of crap. And there's a lot of stuff that we still, I don't even know why it was in the RVs and I don't even know why I moved it into a house, but unexpected is you don't realize how much your stuff owns you until you do without it. Probably one of the reasons those six months in Europe was the best was because you literally were so light. If you only, and we weren't even that light. We were light in the sense that we had maybe three or four outfits, no umbrella, no scarf, but a jacket. And we carried with us a huge eight foot coffin surf bag, surfboard bag with three surfboards, and then another huge rock climbing bag plus a rope bag. So we had more stuff in our fun sports equipment than actually in clothes, but it was definitely like the the lightest emotionally, physically, spiritually, everything that I've felt in my entire life. And to be in that space, it, you do it hoping for that, but it's, it's unexpected in like when it delivers. Oh yeah. Dang, this feels really good. So how do you, or you talked about, you don't realize how much your stuff owns you. How do you apply that in your life now? Um, I don't, I, I always have a waiting period on things like, mm, we literally sold beds. I just brought in beds from our two RVs and threw them on the floor. And I even actually, when my husband brought our second RV up, I had him bring one of the bed frames for these other beds, but he forgot the screws or the bolts that go with it. So we couldn't put it together. So the bed stayed on the floor. And I thought, yeah, why? You just ask why. You question all that. I'm like, why? Why do we actually need to put this bed together? We're thought to believe we need to have a mattress on a bed frame, but that's a simplistic version. But I kind of use that for everything in stopping and thinking like, well, what is the real reason this serves or what, what value is it going to, is it going to make me happier at the end of the day? And quite honestly, like just having to fall on the floor into bed actually makes me happier than like just sitting in onto the <laughs> mattress. It's little things like that. However, I have seen a lot of spiders lately, so oh, yeah. <laughs> I might have to reframe that thinking and lift the beds. Um, really, that's the it. It comes. That's the biggest difference because living in a house again, we don't have something that's like so fulfilling and badass to walk out our door. And we used to always have that. And what is today's the fourteenth, sixteenth. So we're halfway. That we've only lived in a house for two weeks, and of those two weeks, I've already taken one road trip. Nice. Not take another. So I can tell that this isn't going to work like, like long-term state in the world, but it's really weighs on me emotionally to not have something stoke worthy to walk outside my door every day and do without a lot of effort. And the point of that is that you really have to evaluate what, what is it that brings you stoke every day? What is it that brings you, that gets you excited to jump out of bed? And as soon as you identify that, then making those decisions on what's what serves you or what you want to buy or what, yeah, that's easy. It's out the window. You're like, ah, do I real, I'll sit on the floor. I don't need a chair. Uh, if it means I get to, you know, spend 200 more and drive further on a road trip, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. I think sometimes we forget that we have the choice. We have the choice, you know, whether we're going to choose happiness or adventure or do something differently. A lot of times um, it's easy to choose the victim role or just like, oh, you know, I'm, this isn't doing anything for me or my life sucks, you know, but rather than just taking action and just going for it. So I love that. And oh, to be ears, you heard Robin question everything and ask yourself, does this bring me happiness? I love it. <laughs> that pretty much that is absolutely. Yeah. I need that like tattooed on my arm. Or something. <laughs> Put up as a big sign because that is absolutely the motto I live by. 
I like it. <laughs> so let's pivot and talk a little bit about your wins. Can you share with us something that you're most proud of accomplishing? Oh, yes. Um, my first one would be that when I, when I, my fifth one was, my fifth child was born, I must have been 36-ish, I don't know, 37. And I was done breastfeeding her. And I mean, one of my biggest successes is I, I wanted so much to be a mom. So just having kids, you know, if you're a mom, you feel like what a win it is. It's such a, it, we're so blessed. But at the same time, you just give self-sacrifice, self-sacrifice. You forget. I really think I didn't realize over those 10 childbearing years of having kids and breastfeeding how much I had forgotten or never really even knew because I went from high school to open a business to have kids. I never had this like necessary, I don't want to say party phase, but like fulfillment phase in my life. And so at 36, we were, we started camping. We had never camped is ironic living in an RV, never camped. And I was like, well, we're camping on the beach. Let me just get a surfboard. I would say most normal people, and you totally should have somebody teach you, but I'm just not like that. I, I was like, I'm just going to teach myself. And I took a huge beating in the process. And looking back, I'm like, man, I was an idiot for how I, how I did it. But in the end, it worked. So took probably six months, solid six months of a beating and then learned how to surf. That one thing has opened up an entire different life for me, just because then my, eventually my daughter surfed with me because surfing was such a critical part of our life. We decided to live in an RV, decided to travel to all these surf destinations around the world. One tiny little beating has, has just opened up everything. And right after, maybe a year after learning to surf, again, I was looking on Groupon. I'm like, oh, I'm kind of bored. What can we do? Hey, Victor, do you know what rock climbing is? I've never rock let's go try rock climbing instantly fall in love with it and now it's pretty much either surf well surfing not so much now because of covid but uh, rock climbing just defines our life and it gives us so much focus to have a focus that's a healthy like physical outlet stoke worthy focus of course of course you're not going to care about beds and chairs after that so to get to the surfing point and also just like the traveling for um five years like to get to that point what is something that most people don't know that it took to get there? Um, oh, that's a good one. I would, the first one is it's such an investment in time for a lot of people. I think most people don't have the time to commit to any one thing to get good at it. So whether it is climbing or surfing or, I mean, you don't have to get good at hiking, hiking something, but sometimes if you're not living, you have to make time to get great hikes because it gets boring hiking the same, the same trail probably. So or our family is huge believers in flow state. Uh, so as much as hiking is great, you're not getting that mental challenge. I really think it's hand in hand to set aside enough time towards something. You have to be pushed. You have to be motivated enough to chase that flow state. So if you don't have time, it's really important that when you do make time for whatever it is that you're doing it in a progressive means so that it's a small step forward or a constant little challenge. It's like, you have to envision, you have your circle of your comfort zone and you have to make sure you're just going like one tiny layer. I think of surfing. I know so many moms that will try surfing and they'll go out on a day that's just too big or was not just slightly above their comfort zone. It's way above their comfort zone. You get, you have a near drowning experience. You get scared. Of course, you're not going to want to try that again. So having either someone who nurtures you through that to make sure you're taking progressive 
you have to make sure the steps are within your reach, but not so low that you're bored and you're not motivated to do it. So what's the, what's the importance of pushing your comfort zone or taking one extra step? Okay. So definitely it's it flow state. Let's step back, I guess. And flow state is where you're in this zone where nothing else exists. You're not worried about what you have to do to, later in the day. You don't have to pay bills or take care of kids or get to this appointment. You're fully vested in that, that moment. And I think that's the part when you're in your comfort zone, you might be able to say on an easy hike, you might be able to take in, well, the trees look nice. The sun feels, feels good. You're in the moment, but your mind can still wander to that to-do list, or it could even go back into your past of like, oh, oh, remember when this happened. And we have to catch that when we're in our flow state, we're not thinking forward or back. We are complete. It's, it's more survival mode. And so we, in a way, we have to enter that arena of survival zone. Now we don't want to actually die. So that's why it's important not to go so broad beyond your comfort zone that you're taking, you have to learn risk assessment. It's a big thing we do. I done with my kids is understanding what that risk assessment looks like and not being, um, I, I see a lot of moms, they're, they're scared to let their kids push that comfort zone slightly. And so they tend to be, be careful, be careful, watch out, be careful. And we need to, as moms, dads too, we have to step back and be like, well, we need to not go to that be careful mode so quickly because we have to internally think, hmm, are they going to get hurt or injured? And when we taught gymnastics, that was a very big theme. I tell kids, they want to throw back handspring. Everyone wants to throw back handspring. And I go, well, they're like, I don't know. Do you think I'm ready? Robin, can I do it? And I go, well, you're not going to die. Are you going to get hurt? You could, you know, you might bend a finger. You might hurt your shoulder a little bit. You're not going to die. I promise <laughs> you. I will not let you do that. That was big. And we don't, as a society, encourage that, that mentality. No, I think that's, I agree. I think that's so important. I think that's how we grow as humans. And that's how we push our confidence or increase our confidence. Yeah. And I definitely, I mean, we look around, we go to the store, we are definitely paying the price for that mentality shift right now, because we are, you know, we as a society are so worried about someone protecting us from all risk that we're going to have a negative side effect if we don't engage in a little bit of risk. Yep. No, I think that's exactly right. It's healthy for all of us to engage in a little bit of risk, push your comfort zone a little bit and see what you're really capable of. Yeah. So, all right. We talked about the wins, but we know life isn't all gumdrops and lollipops. So let's talk a a little bit about your struggles. Yeah. (laughs) So So this week, Victor and I, oh, I'm I'm like, yeah, you could keep, I got lots of them. Go for it. I I lose all the time. I love it. Um, Okay, let's go first relationship losses. Um, Victor and I just did a whole week. In fact, it's going to be up pretty soon. It'll be free. We did a whole week because we moved into this house and we wanted to reassess and reconnect. And so we thought, okay, let's, you know, it's a big deal. I think to stay married for 23 years is not easy. And I should have, that should have been my first win, but I went (laughs) selfishly. That's okay. So it's hard. Marriages are hard. I told you in Europe, it struggled. My husband almost lost his eye surfing when we were in France. He's still traumatized by that. <laughs> we have all of these hardships that we have put on our marriage. And I think everyone puts hardships on their marriage. I just actively chose to do mine in the process of outdoor adventure. My husband is not outdoorsy. He does not really like to climb or surf. He loves me. He does it. 
And so we took um, this whole week, we filmed five days of of what that looks like and kind of our ups and downs and how we've worked through it. I can definitely say after 23 years of all this, our marriage is absolutely stronger, better, more passionate, more exciting. But we, we're willing basically to take risks in our marriage all the time. We're, we're willing to engage and challenge each other constantly. And in doing so, um, our other loss, so our loss is that like we hit heads. We absolutely get to low points and it's, it's exactly what it feels like when you're taking a risk surfing or taking a risk rock climbing that I'll push to the point like, look, we got to stare off in the same direction. Basically, I'm like, I want to fight you until we're staring off in the same direction. It doesn't have to be my direction, but we need to communicate and be like, what's the next direction? Hence why we're in a house. <laughs> but we also, uh, losses, I'm going to tell you, uh, we have zeroed out our bank accounts multiple times in these five years. And that's uh, besides a stress on your marriage, you know, that can feel like a loss for sure. You can feel like, oh, I'm a failure. I should be more financially secure right now. And it's just an act of risk that we've had to choose many times. We always find a way. It's kind of like, I, I think I end up liking it like a little bit of a challenge. Like, um, I don't know if it's confidence thing. I believe that we'll figure it out in the end we have so far. So you get that positive reinforcement, like, okay, let's keep pushing. But it can definitely feel like a loss in moments of, of zero. <laughs> in moments of zero, you're like, hmm, yeah, maybe... <laughs> Maybe that last trip wasn't such a good idea. Maybe. <laughs> so it, I don't know. Those are two losses. I think yeah. uh, like with the wins uh, offset it, but. So how do you bounce back from that? Like when you're at zero, what do you do to get going again? Uh, straight back to purpose. I guess we're nomads with a purpose because I go, I go back to like, well, what's our purpose for living a fulfilling life and for me, I need, uh, I need adventure. I need challenge. And so, and my husband, he needs um, way more security, but uh, real quick, what he, he's a personal trainer and he's such a good personal trainer that he has some clients that have been with him for 15 years, not because he's uh, doesn't help them, but because he helps them. So, like, they're just, it's like they're rooted to him and it's a beautiful thing. But part of me is like, he's attached to them. He's, his, right. his boat's tied to theirs and it's great. But so he needs um, a little bit more. And so that how we move bounce back from that, I go, well, his purpose is to nurture people. He is absolutely. And I, and so it's this line of respect. You bounce back by sitting down and literally, okay, we're going to stare off in the same direction. I'm going to need some challenge. You're going to need to nurture people. What are some options? And it's, uh, if you look at my table under my computer right now, it's covered with butcher paper all the time. I'm constantly brainstorming out, like writing out, okay, well, we can work towards this path. We can work towards this path. Well, let's just pick one path this week and then adjust. And so you hit zero and you're like, okay, well, this path's not working. Let's try the other one. So was he still doing personal training while you guys were on the road for five years? Yes. Yes. Um, he still has a gym in San Diego. Uh, he's supposed to go back, keep going back and forth once a month. I don't think, I don't think he's going back, but <laughs> if clients are listening, they'll be like, no, he has to come back. He has a lot of, he has a lot of, he's pretty much just transitioned digitally so that uh, it's, it's too bad with COVID. It really is too bad that this whole personal one-on-one -on -one 
uh, in vivo experience is being taken away. There's been some really positive things out of it too, but I just don't see with the state of things being as they are that it's just not worth it. Traveling on a plane is so exhausting for people. Uh, Montana to San Diego, that's a 20 hour drive. That's, oh, wow. that's a lot. Yeah, at least a 20 hour drive, depending on what you're driving. So I think he's staying here. I think we uh, have, have lots of different uh, avenues that we'll, we'll go through. And we're not at zero. So we have some options. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I also think like the virtual thing is so cool in the sense like you, it gives you the opportunity to travel and do what you want, but then still be able to communicate with people or train people. So I think that's awesome. Yeah, it, it is. I, I feel very, yeah, you can see my smile, grin to grin, or ear to ear grin. I, I feel very <laughs> fortunate in what we have. And a part of the, we, we used to travel and just get our sports and stuff outdoors. But since I know we should stay and stay here somewhat long-term, we brought up in our garage, we have a full gym. We have gymnastics mats. We have a 20 foot tumbling trampoline. So it's, and we're building a rock climbing wall this weekend. So nice. it's not like, it's not like it's torture being right. rooted in one spot. And <laughs> I think it'll be fine. I kind of think I, I foresee us doing some really fun retreats here too. If, uh, if I can just figure out with the cold and everything. So over the years, and maybe this was more when you guys were in, like before you moved into an RV, have you ever struggled with mom guilt? Oh, every day, but it doesn't. Yeah. It, you, uh, okay. So I mentioned we meditate every day and it, that's something that's been new probably in the last year that our family has really taken to it and just feel it. It just feels, keeps us feeling more balanced. So I think if you meditate, you know, you you observe your thoughts, but you don't hold any attachment or judgment to them it's a dozen times a day, but it's more just, oh, it's there. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe I could shift Maybe I can close my computer for a second and fully focus on Tatiana making cookies or whatever she's doing. I, my fifth is really high maintenance. Uh, we pretty much set up a schedule that we take, everyone trades off giving her attention, but she really doesn't want attention from anyone but me. So it doesn't actually work, <laughs> <laughs> but I try. And so that you just, I don't, I would think it'd be crazy to think that mom guilt would ever go away. I will die with mom guilt, but, uh, but it's a good reminder. It makes you aware of your thoughts and it helps you reprioritize and it's healthy. So is that what you do then? You just reprioritize when you, when you get the mom guilt or what do you do to combat it? I, I will reprioritize subtly, but it's still part of a big picture. Maybe I should, how over I'm over organized in some aspects in that, like, so mom guilt might hit one night, two nights ago. And so I sit down and I write 7 a.m. to 8 a.m., 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. And then I put columns, every single person, because we're all seven of us are in this house together. Every single person, I've been doing this since they homeschooled. I mean, I've always homeschooled them, but when they are young, I always start with, what do you need to be happy? I go through each kid. What do you need tomorrow to be happy? Okay, well, this is my expectation of you. Um, I, you know, I expect you to blank do this for school, or I expect you to pitch in and do dishes one time today. I expect you to do the food prep for this meal. So I guess I combat it with organization. And, and I come back and forth. I go, okay, well, you, everyone picks their top priority for the day for self-fulfillment, top priority for what I expect out of them to help me out because nobody likes a grumpy mom. 
and top priority for like what I think, what, what's just necessary. Like our whole family likes to sit and meditate. So it's okay. Six out of seven, let's be honest, like to meditate. <laughs> Tatiana, I don't force, I never force my kids to meditate, by the way. I, I say, if you want to go ahead, if not, you just have to sit here with us. You can read a book, but you have to be quiet. And so she reads a book half the time and half the time she'll join in. And um, that's kind of how I, I, I write it out with a schedule is every hour of the day. And like, everyone has a voice. If like, to me, I feel like I do have the final say, <laughs> nobody wants me to be upset, but mom guilt is, is absolutely a factor of like, uh, and, and nobody blows up as much as I do anyways. I'm like, I'm the one who has way too high of expectations on myself. So it's, it's kind of really the worst is the Robin guilt on Robin and I don't know how I, I work. I'm working on it. I'm a work in progress. Like everyone. I like how you build in like the intentional happiness though, like for you and your kids. I think that that's so important um, to be intentional about what makes you happy. So I love that. Yeah. It started when they were homeschooling and you know, with one, it's not a negative, but it can be with homeschooling. You have your time rich. You have so much time on your hands. And moms, you would be crazy if you're going to sit there and teach to them six hours a day. That's just oh, ridiculous. So when they were young, maybe my oldest was probably 12, 13. I kind of got to a point like, you can't play video games. You got to have some type of focus for your day. What do you want? And he decided to write books. So he still to this day writes books and they're not bestsellers yet, but that's his focus. Uh, my now 12 year old, who is really high energy child. His focus this week, it changes every week. This week, he's trying to master the guitar. So he plays like six to eight hours on the guitar. We have to tolerate the noise a little bit, but it, <laughs> it's cool. I think it's, yeah, like just empower him from a young age, empower him. What's going to make you fulfilled in life? And uh, they have a little bit of time on electronics, but more so now in a house. But I would say like pull the plug until you can get them self-driven. Then once they're self-driven, then you can like slip in like, all right, go ahead and we don't really have, we don't have Xboxes or anything like that anymore. Cause I pulled the plug on that years ago, but we'd still have Kindles and they can still go on computers or phones and play. I don't even know Minecraft. So like you're, you're saying pull the plug, like as in all electronics until they, you know, find their own drive. That's, Is that what, right? I've done. That's what I've done. I mean, I pulled the plug completely with video games and my old, with my oldest son, cause he was the only one that was, it was an issue with, he was probably about 15. And I think that was the best thing I've ever done. If he asked you though, he would say that it was a mutual agreement. I kind of nagged so much and caught, uh, <laughs> brought awareness so much to guy, you're in a bad mood and you just finished playing video, video games again. Guy, you really seem grumpy when you play this. Like, don't you think this is a bad scenario? And he kind of resisted for a while till he finally is like, yeah, this is not making me happy. And then I didn't have, it's boys seem like it's harder for boys. My other girl, my girls, they never even cared. And then my fourth boy or my fourth kid is a boy. He, we grew up without it. So he didn't even know any better. My fifth, the one that's high maintenance, like she, she doesn't have video games, but she definitely, uh, I have to pull the plug on, on Kindle, on Kindle games every right. so often. When, when the, when the attitude comes in, like it's out of here. Pull the plug. If you if you're not picking up good vibes from your kids, like that's easy for me. And like I'd rather, I haven't actually thrown it away. I have thrown some things away, but yeah, I just 
out the door. It's gone. We're, we're going to make this easier on me then. Yeah. I always no find don't care. You're right. <laughs> I always find it so interesting though, how every kid is so different. Like I'm one of six kids, so I can totally relate like ever, but it's just funny how everybody has their own like distinct personality. Absolutely. And they're born with it. It's amazing. Like you don't realize when they're babies, but then they get to be older. Like, oh my, now I understand one of our other obsessions. We have a lot, it seems like is uh, Enneagram and Myers-Briggs. And so we know what each of our kids Enneagram and MBTI is, and they're every single one is different. And it's so interesting to, to know it. And then to be like, Oh, we'll, we'll joke. We'll MBTI is attached to a cognitive function. It's like how your brain processes. And we're like, Oh, there's your SI brain going again. But then it adds this level of respect because you know, Oh, this person, they need this. This is how they process. Okay. Let's make sure we give them. Yeah doesn't mean there's no conflict, but there's definitely a level of understanding that helps family dynamics work much better. So you mentioned that you have a lot of obsessions or you and your family have a lot of obsessions. <laughs> How do you make room for them? And then especially for a family of seven, for everybody's obsessions. Let's see. Well, I guess I think relative to other people, we must be really time rich because we do. Yeah. I've, it, that's probably a lot of it is that we are way more time rich than the average person. So you have time for obsessions. I mean, my kids were younger. I say they're obsessed with things because I just, I, I would work, but it was from three to seven at night. So you're still having to fill most of the morning and homeschooling was more about like, Hey, let's, let's find something to obsess over instead of learning. I'm so thankful that we never spent a ton of time with what they're teaching with what the school system defined since right now with COVID the transition where the world's going to go for education is huge. Like now is the time absolutely to, to reshift our thinking and everything for us has always been that obsession is kind of tied into creativity because if you're surfing or rock climbing, that's, that's creativity. Uh, Gabby started the blog with me at 16. That's, that's creativity. Uh, my now 16 year old has been working on the blog for the last year. Everything, you know, it's, it's a creator's, you know, making a podcast, that's creativity there. And so it's, uh, I guess when we say obsession, it's just that we allow a lot of time in our day for these creative outlets. Uh, even in research, when we got into Enneagram, you know, you're researching and these, you're letting, we spend so much time on the tra trail. So we allow this space for creative thought, like, oh, hypothetically, if this type two could a type two be an ENTJ? No, that's no way they could, you know, <laughs> that's how our obsessions go is that there's, we just are time rich and we spend a lot of time shooting the, you know, together and exploring <laughs> ideas. I guess that's where we, I'd say we're like weird. Like we, I don't know. What do, maybe I should do a podcast with somebody like, what do most people spend their day doing? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think the fact that you guys spend time talking about it and thinking about it kind of probably keeps you curious or keep you interested because yeah. you're thinking of different angles of things. And yeah. Curiosity. Isn't it fun Yeah, to be yeah. so curious about the world? Yes, for sure. Because that People, can spark excitement too. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then what's having our blog be something that most of our family works on. I mean, three people full-time Victor, Victor more and more now is it means that you have 
So even if our minds wander these curious things, they're being like integrated somehow into, oh, let's do this YouTube video. Oh, let's um, write this blog. Let's create this course, put this on Instagram. There's this network of, and that's where I say, say that, oh, I can see how some benefits are going to come out of this new digital world and post COVID world because creativity is going to be everything. Yes, I agree. And it's going to be crazy how much like the little ones when they grow up, how much more they're going to know, you know, just they're going to be so advanced because they're in school doing everything technology. Right. And especially if the, yeah, if the schools allow for some open-ended creativity, that'll be really great. So Robin, can you tell us about your mindset and how it has led to your badassery? Okay, absolutely. So it, I tie it into the chakras because it's just an easy way for me to visually think of a framework. Cause otherwise if I'd say, Oh man, it's just my mindset. It's just because I go do things and like, no, it really is tied to root chakra is your lowest one safety security. I have a really loving husband. So maybe we hit heads and don't see eye to eye on every adventure. I have this great sense of security. I didn't necessarily have that as a kid per se. And so maybe that's, why at 20, I could say that, oh, wow, I was like in an established relationship of somebody who felt me, made me feel really safe and secure. That affects your mindset for sure. People who are struggling right now because of COVID and being locked down or being worried about a mask, your root chakra is probably on high, like overly it's blocked. But a lot of times a blockage means like you're just sending too much energy there. And what happens is how can you have a positive mindset if you're, if Everything in your root chakra is just like, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared. So that's part of it. Um, your next chakra point goes to solar, um, sorry, sacral chakra, which is the most blocked chakra in the US for sure, probably in the world, but in the US. And that one is blocked because it's about your individuality, which hence is badass in it is badassery in itself of people who are who are very um, okay with their weirdness, their individuality, they tend to have a little bit more open. Uh, sacral chakra. And that's not taught in society. That's not taught in school. We're not necessarily raised to be like, Hey, what makes you different? Everything's about how are you going to conform? And so there's a mindset shift there too. And like, I I'm different. I like what, what makes me tip? What makes me different? Hey, let's, let's do more of that. And when we do more of that, it usually is in some form of creativity. Um, it's also a, a spot where you become more vulnerable. And I think having a badass mindset is goes hand in hand with allowing yourself to be vulnerable. Um, and then your next one was your, I doing your, uh, solar plexus is like, I do. And we talked about how you just go, you jump on that plane, you, you buy that ticket, you try that group on, you go, you paddle out on a small surf day and see what the ocean feels like you do guess what? You're going to have a positive mindset. You're going to be a little bit more like, Oh, wow. The cool one though, I think is the heart chakra is love. And so people think of like, oh, heart chakra is how much can I give to everybody else? But actually the heart chakra is all about forgiving yourself. And it's the one I've definitely struggled with the most, but because I've gotten better at it, it makes my mindset better because I'm like, oh man, yeah, I, I kind of mess up a lot. I'm not very perfect. I'm not that great at anything, but I, but I have good intentions behind it. I'm not there. I'm not hurting anyone. And the faster we forgive ourselves for our flaws, the better our mindset is to go out and do it, do more of it or to get better at it. If you think about some people, I know most people know a person like this who 
because they made one mistake or one, they can't forgive themselves, or maybe they didn't make the mistake. Maybe somebody did it to them. And because of this, that they're holding on to it, they're not engaging as much in the world. And because they're not engaging anymore, they're kind of sheltering themselves. They're not vulnerable. They don't want to they end up being scared. And now they're probably not the happiest person to be around. They're not the person telling you, oh my gosh, I'm going to go try this tomorrow. They're like, oh, be careful. Maybe you shouldn't do that. Why, you know? And so they kind of, and that's just half, half the truckers, but like, that was a pretty oh. thorough answer for you. No, that was great. Um, but for somebody who, I know you explain different type of chakras, but for somebody who's not familiar with chakras, can you explain yeah. that just a little bit? So they're in, it's a spiritual framework for energy hubs within your body. You know, uh, I always go like some people might not, if you can't see it, do you not believe it exists? You know, that's, that's for everyone to decide for themselves. But if you just hypothetically go, okay, there's these energy fields inside my body. And the more you start to focus on what they represent and what it would take to open them, I think most people start to feel them. They start to know, like, I know because my husband, why we've hit heads in, in certain aspects are definitely because of block chakras. And so a big reason our marriage is like it is now is because we've spent the last year or two trying to unblock certain ones and these, and how do we do? Okay. So it's not like you're actually, let's say trauma. Um, if we have a trauma from our past, we're going to mentally ourselves and our body hold on to that memory. And so if we're holding on, whether we realize it or not, we have our conscious thoughts and we have our subconscious thoughts that are kind of guiding us through our day. And on a subconscious level, if that trauma is still there in those cells, every time we engage in the world, actually that subconscious is kind of dictating how we're engaging. And so by focusing on, hmm, maybe I can let go of this trauma. Let's, let's not just let go. Let's work through. What is it? You know, it's not like you're just going to wake up one day and like, I'm going to forget about it. But, you know, through journaling and meditating and focusing on, on that release, eventually these chakra ports ports kind of open up and you have, we need the energy to flow. So I did say what four of them were from that heart chakra, throat chakra is communication. Um, being able to right now express ourselves in a space of, uh, of kindness, of compassion is huge. Um, one easy way to know if your throat chakra is open is trying to not always be heard, like make sure you're actually listening. <laughs> you think that's a closed off throat chakra, but um, having that 50-50 dialogue with, with somebody, which I'm laughing right now because I'm like, I'm doing more talking than you are. And I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's yeah, how it's supposed guess, to be. Like, no, that's how it's supposed to be. <laughs> they but hear from me a, enough. <laughs> in a normal conversation, when you meet somebody, like paying attention, like am I Am I asking as much as I'm telling? And I say that because, you know, the, one of the worst is like, I talk to people. I go out in the world. I talk a lot, but I talk is by asking questions. I'm like, Good. and then you have somebody who just kills an hour of your time telling them about what they did 10 years ago. Like, dang, you have a blocked throat chakra, but it's important. It's, it's a balance. Yes. Um, throat chakra. So it's just, it's got to have a balance of coming from heart, from your compassion, but with third eye, which is is kind of uh, knowing it's your wisdom. It's, it's seeing where you would like to, where you're heading, which you, you know, right now with 
COVID, some of us need to open our third eye more and say like, hey, what's it gonna look like if we keep going this path? If I'm scared when I do this, what's gonna happen next year? What's my child, what's my kid's world gonna look like? That third eye is, it's important and it's hard for people to access that energy in order to, you literally open your mind to kind of access that wisdom. But as much as we have control over all these, this top, the crown chakra is, is trust, is understanding that there is a bigger force other than there ourselves or other than our ego and being able to have that energy flow up to trust, down to safety and kind of mentally uh, being aware of what they represent. I think that's your best way of opening those, those portals, getting that energy to flow. And then you can kind of catch yourself like, ooh. So if you notice, like, I'm really happy with my individuality, but I'm not doing things in the world. I'm not actually doing those badass things that I'm thinking I want to do. I'm not doing them. Then you can kind of catch it and go, oh, I need to maybe systematically force myself to do more because my heart's telling me I need to do it. I believe that I should do it. I need to go do it now. And then you're badass because you go do it. (laughs) Yeah, no, I love so much of what you had to say there. I can't say that I've known a ton about chakras, but I'm interested now. Um, But I think there's so much importance in just being self-aware. And then, like you said, asking questions, like asking questions is huge. So I love that. Yeah, thanks. Curiosity definitely helps. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So Robin, let's end with a tip to encourage women who are in the arena fighting for the life they want. Okay. I want, I wish I should have like, I have so many, I should have one go-to, but when in 2015, it was our first trip going, um, this was when I had conned my husband into moving into our RV temporarily. And we were in Ure, Colorado. It was one of our, it was our absolute first road trip, uh, living like that. And already in my head, I knew this is the life I want to live, but I, but I wasn't conscious. That's that subconscious level. Consciously, I didn't know it yet. And we are in the campground. Uh, this happens to me all the time. We are in. I was in flip flops because we were in the campground in Ure. There's campgrounds right in the heart of town. But what's cool is you can like kind of walk to the trailheads, walk to town. It was early in the morning. I walked to the trailhead and I looked at my husband. I'm like, uh, our, most of our kids were with us too. I'm like, I think I'm gonna hike this. And he's like, I'm no. I haven't had enough coffee. I'm not. I'm done. Two of my girls went with me in flip-flops. It's a perimeter trail. I mean, it can't be that far. It's the perimeter of town. Well, it was really long and it was really muddy. And we're doing it in flip-flops, which means we ended up having to do it barefoot because our shoes had been stuck in the mud. And halfway around the trip, a lady, we stood out. She stopped us and said like, oh, hey, what are you guys, you know, what are you guys doing? Why are you hiking barefoot? And I talk to strangers all the time. And so we end up sitting there for 20 minutes talking and she's, I'm telling her, I'm so excited. Yeah, we're in our motor home and we're so cool because we're hiking now. And this is totally different life from what I would had been leading just two weeks before. And she's, oh yeah, I'm from Lander. Oh man, you've got to go through Lander, but make sure you carry bear spray because did you know on May 20th, I saw 20 bears in one day hiking, just looking at her like, wow, you're so cool. I cannot believe that. That's so exciting. And then we finished talking and she said, she looked at me and said, well, whatever you do, do it with gusto. And I have lived that since the moment I saw her. 
and you so guys good. should totally do the same. Yes, I love that. <laughs> and Robin, how can we connect with you? Oh, anywhere nomads with a purpose. So nomadswithapurpose.com on Instagram, nomads with a purpose on YouTube, nomads with a purpose and all the other social medias, nomads with a purpose. We are there. Reach out to me. I would love to, I love helping people. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show. You've been a total badass and I've enjoyed hearing your story. <laughs> no, thank you for having me. It was really fun. And with that, we'll end our show. To all the badass women out there staying in the arena, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, own it and get after it. Wasn't Robin cool? I really enjoyed talking to her and hearing her story. So now, let's talk about our new segment, Game Changers. Reflecting on the story that Robin told us, what do you think was the game changer in her life? For me, I think it's when she had the courage to talk to her husband and convince him or trick him to live in an RV for a month, which turned into five years. That completely changed the trajectory of their lives. And her passion is going out there and traveling. And then it became like rock climbing and um, camping and all these outdoor adventure things, which she never would have done or been able to do if she hadn't kind of spoken up and put the idea out there. So what in your life do you want to do, but you haven't spoken up about? That's my challenge for you this week, friend. Speak up or do the thing that you've been dying to do, but but have been holding off on. Because who knows what kind of game changer can be in your life. And if you like this episode, I would love, love, love if you went to iTunes and left a five-star review. This way, other people just like you can find out about the show and start listening too. Until next week, friends. Now that you've listened to this episode of Ordinary to Badass, we want to hear from you. Go to our website, OrdinaryToBadass.com slash podcast and submit your own experience on how you took your life from ordinary to badass and get the chance to be on a future spotlight episode of the show. That's OrdinaryToBadass.com forward slash podcast. While you're waiting for the next episode of the show, wipe off the sweat, dust off the dirt, and get back in the arena.